from the Bet America Radio Network, this is the Who Do You Like podcast. Who do you like? With tips, angles, and information to help you win at sports betting. Now, here's your host, Scott Shapiro. Hey, sports fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Who Do You Like podcast. The final golf major is in the books as Shane Lowry had the round of his life on Saturday and then played smart, safe golf on Sunday, allowing him to cruise to the wire first in the Open Championship at Royal Port Rush in Northern Ireland. I definitely would have preferred to see a lot more drama on Sunday, but nonetheless, it was great to see a guy like Lowry hoist the Claret drug in front of so many supporters and apparently hoist a lot more drinks and kind of back out of the World Golf Championship as many expected this week. The FedEx playoffs are still to come, but the Open Championship conversation will most likely end the coverage of golf on the pod for the year. That being said, it is never too early to start thinking about the 2020 Masters, where Brooks Kepka is the current 8-1 to favorite on Bet America, with defending champion Tiger Woods sitting right below him at 9-1, to despite not playing well after the Masters this year. We will focus on racing at Saratoga the next couple of weeks before football takes center stage and dominates the conversation until the Super Bowl. I'll bring in my colleague Ed DeRosa to chat about this Saturday's card in Saratoga Springs, as well as the three-year-old picture as we approach August in just a moment. But first, a quick reminder. If you're new to the pod and like what you hear, you can find it each week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe so you're aware when each new episode goes live. And if you'd be so kind as to hit that five-star rating and leave a comment, it would be much appreciated. All right, let's dive into what should be an excellent weekend at Saratoga with not only the grade one Vanderbilt headlined by Met Mile winner Matoli, but a pair of three-year-old stakes races that will function as many horses prep for the Midsummer Derby, the Traverse Stakes, on August 24th, which is looking to be a really cool race at this point. My guest this week is the director of marketing at Brisnet, Ed DeRosa. Welcome back to the pod, buddy. How's your 2019 Saratoga meet going so far? Uh, Treading water, uh, which based on the lack of success of some people I really respect in handicapping uh, definitely isn't the worst place to be, but uh, feel like I've had the close one within my grasp, which gives us confidence to keep plugging away, but really would like to, to reel one in versus just saying I'm sticking around. Yeah, it was a good year last year at Saratoga, good summer. And I told you going in, it would be a tall task to come anywhere near close to repeating that for myself. Uh, I have not come close thus far. <laughs> I have nibbled on some small-ish type pick fives, which is obviously where my the large majority of my bankroll goes. But but nothing that you know would have changed the, the scope of my summer. Hopefully, like uh, you said, the uh, big one is coming and uh, certainly some good racing this week as well as good weather, Ed, which is a uh, sight for sore eyes with uh, some troubling weather uh, kind of messing up some cards, especially last Saturday where they canceled at Saratoga. Um, But before we dive into the late pick five at Saratoga on Saturday, I wanted to touch on the Friday feature, which is the Curlin Stakes because it could impact a three-year-old division with some promising Colts that missed a triple crown, but do appear live as we head into the second half of 2019. And we'll talk about the three-year-olds over the course of the uh, pod here and always like to get your opinion, as I know you follow them from start to finish being so into the Derby like myself. But uh, looking at the Curlin, you know, it would be a stretch to say one of these horses um, could make a run probably for for three-year-old champ. But uh, certainly with a win here and a win in the Travers, they could be in the picture or at least disrupt what is already quite a wide-open scene in the three-year-old champion male division. How do you see the curling shaping up? 
I definitely do think it goes through Chad, um, which is a, a common refrain uh, at Saratoga and really anywhere. There's a grade one race. Uh, looking at bikinis, I uh, definitely expect to be the favorite. Uh, only two starts. Uh, but this was a Colt, Scott, I actually had uh, very high up in my early derby rankings last year. Uh, he had the big maiden score and then wasn't heard from for a while. And his return, though, uh, I thought definitely hinted at uh, even better things to come. Uh, Predictiform is a service that Brisnet provides data for. And like Ragazin, uh, they sort of base a lot of their handicapping theories uh, with the numbers on patterns. And looking at bikinis, got what they call a reversal pattern, uh, which is, according to them, especially powerful for lightly raced horses. So uh, this really fits, uh, to me, the profile of a horse. If you're going to take the chalk, uh, you know, taking a flyer on a horse who actually may even be better than he appears here in the Curlin. Does that mean he can win the Travers? Uh, certainly not ready to say that, but uh, based on the numbers of his return, uh, it does belie uh, an improvement even off what we've seen so far. So I'm likely for pick end purposes, and I haven't looked at the races around it, but I'm already thinking that that's a spot where maybe I'll just plant my flag and single the potential future star versus wanting to go deep against him. Understandable. And he uh, is listed as the five, the two morning line favorite in this spot. The other chat in there, I saw you actually uh, make a tweet about an interesting name that they gave the horse with so <laughs> many opportunities. Tap it by tap your feet. That's a five, five to one fourth choice, highest honors from the uh, eight hole. Uh, and then the uh, intrepid heart, a horse that uh, disappointed in the Belmont and the Peter Pan uh, in the spring is listed as the seven to two second choice. And Rowayton, who I'd like to talk about for a minute, is 9-2 to two on the morning line. Before I do, though, looking at Bikini's, totally understandable why he would be the favorite in this spot. Looks like he's got the most upside. I guess my concern with him is just um, he's only done it at one turn so far, and the impressive maiden win was in the slop. You have to really like the way he finished in a solid high-level optional claimer on June 27th at Belmont. So, very little to not like visually speaking, but asking him to do something different for the first time, as well as face stakes company, uh, maybe maybe a lot to chew. You expect him to go off below that five to two price or somewhere around that? I think I mean, I guess two to one. So in the you know strict sense of what you asked, I could see below if, if he took any more money than that, then even I'm getting in territory where, OK, what's going on here? Is he actually worth this bet? Uh, and when we get to the races uh, tomorrow, uh, I'm going to say the same thing about a Bowling Green entrant from the Chad Brown stable. Really, for me, Scott, the, the last piece of this puzzle is going to be looking at uh, Bruno's workout report for looking at bikinis. He, he got a bullet uh, coming into this. But, you know, it, it, as we know, the, you know, the bullet looks impressive on paper, but you definitely want the insight of, of people who see these horses and the horses from the barn on a regular basis. So. If the marks are positive, then that'll be the, the final straw for me to, to say yes, looking at bikinis as my horse in the Curlin, uh, and maybe beyond. I mean, we'll see who shows up in the Travers, but with maximum security expected to be there, uh, maybe we'll actually get a, a price on, on a horse like this. But pen workout report, uh, I do see two to one or higher is, is value on looking at bikinis. 
Yeah, and a couple things, Ed, speaking tomorrow, uh, we're recording this Thursday, so rec- the tomorrow he refers to as Saturday, as we assume most people will listen on Friday. And you mentioned the Travers, which will uh, be the uh, centerpiece of the summer, and you not only maximum security going to take a lot of money, but game winner, I think, off of that impressive effort at Los Al, the other Gary and Mary West-owned Colt will likely take a lot of support. So plenty of, uh, of good-looking uh, three-year-olds going to be set, hopefully, for the Travers, and even the two that we'll talk about in the gym dandy in a moment i'm gonna give out number five row eight and a nine to two another shot in here i think um the trip last time at uh, in the dwyer was obviously problematic he wasn't beating code of honor but it, it could easily be argued that code of honor uh would get the best of this field as well although that you know a little bit of a stronger group other than row eight but probably would have been second that day I have a little bit of questions in terms of the mile and an eighth, but I'm looking for Joel Rosario to send from the gate, not get himself caught in any trouble. And I just love the way this Colt finished uh, on June 6th at Belmont and think he was full of run uh, in the Dwyer as well. So with the, with the pace advantage that I'm seeing in here, I think we're waiting at a, you know, hopefully nine to two, four to one to five to one range uh, is worth a look in here. And then uh, even endorsed is a little interesting at six to one. Hasn't really done it at, well, has not done it at two turn jet has not tried uh but it's two for three the only loss coming in the champagne i thought finished full of running to june 23rd six furlong affair and the pedigree certainly there to get two turns a horse i was very interested in uh early point part of the year you mentioned looking at bikinis endorsed was a horse i had in my top few uh as we went uh you know early parts of the year when we were doing our top tens for the kentucky derby so those are a couple horses i think that could uh, upset looking at bikinis but tough to be that excited to play against the chad brown colt Let's move on uh, at now, Ed, to the to the Saturday card, which features three graded stakes event over the late pick five, uh, which starts in race eight at 509 Eastern. Now we're going to jump around real quick just to keep the, the, the three-year-old tra- um, trend here going and start with race 11, which is the Jim Dandy grade two mile and an eighth, the uh, one of the traditional uh, preps for the Travers. And the field came up compact, which we've seen a lot of at Saratoga this summer in the dirt stakes races, but certainly some uh, talent in here led by uh, Tacitus and War of Will, who drew the five hole and the six hole. Where are you uh, where are you looking to go in the Jim Dandy in terms of the pick five or maybe in terms of a win type wager? Yeah, I'm definitely uh, going to be looking at the win odds board, uh, Scott, because I do like global campaign quite a bit and. The Uh-oh. presence of Tacitus and more of, that that must mean you like him too. Uh, <laughs> the, the presence of Tacitus and War of Wills, uh, you know, we, we've seen that these type of horses, uh, you know, unfortunately the paramutual game day to day isn't what it once was. But Saturday at Saratoga, three year old race, Tacitus and War of Will are, are going to be over bet. One of them at the very least, uh, I would think, which should help the price on global campaign. Um, just, uh, you know, to me, looks like a, a big speed threat. Uh, won the one turn mile and eighth, Peter Pan now gets the two turn mile and eighth, long freshening for Stanley Huff. Uh, another one where I'm going to be peeking at the workout reports. I could probably be talked off this one if they're terrible, uh, but anything better than that, uh, I just think this one is, is the play in a short field and a. Uh, I don't want to say big price, but again, with Tacitus and War of Will, have to think we'll get the right price since I like them. 
Yeah, I, I'm on this horse as well. I think this is the day for this Stanley Huff trainee. They spent 250k for the Curlin, so nothing crazy for him, but certainly well meant at the Keeneland September 2017 sale and. Really, he's done very little wrong, if anything, Eddie. He won the debut in sparkling fashion, five and three-quarter lengths, going seven panels, very tricky distance to win at. And then they stretched him out at Gulfstream in two mile and a 16 races. He he won the uh, optional high-level optional claimer on February 9th and then was caught up in that wicked pace in the Fountain of Youth when Code of Honor uh, got that great trip from off the pace and Bourbon War uh, closed late to get second and probably his best effort to date. Um, and then he comes back into Peter Pan, and, and granted, Intrepid Heart didn't have things um, his way in that race, but I thought he was very impressive. He put forth the career-best 102 Briz speed rating to set him up well for the Jim Dandy. I thought it was a smart move for them not to get overly ambitious and try to think this horse could go the mile and a half and win the Belmont, which sets him up even better, I think, for today. Looks like he's training great at Saratoga, like you said. It'll be interesting to see what guys like Bruno have to say about the visual perspective, but he did put forth a uh, four furlong, 47 and four bullet drill on July 5th in his first of three works over the track, and you'd have to think that the rest is kind of maintenance from there. Um, not sure he's a mile and a quarter horse, but I think on the lead, I think he can get that mile and an eighth. And yep. you'd have to think Tacitus and War of Will are, you know, the, of course they want to win this race, Ed, but concerns maybe that they're prepping for the Travers, right? Yeah, uh, spot on there. Um, you know, I, I'm much more than others I've read uh, of the, the feeling that regardless if it's a prep, I think trainers are in to win. Uh, they're going to, you know, they're firing their shot. Having said that, you know, they're, they're both coming off, I'll say disappointing in the sense Tacitus didn't win, but he was the best horse that day in the Belmont Stakes. Uh, and then War of Will clearly just laid an egg and, and was done after the Derby Preakness. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're coming into this. The Travers is certainly a race that both are looking for, especially in the case of War of Will, Scott. A, a Travers win could be enough. Uh, to make him champion, abs absent maximum security, beating older. Um, so, you know, I have to think that's firmly circled on Cassie's calendar for that reason alone. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're outside. It's only a six-horse field, so it's not like they're in post-10. Uh, but th there's just enough here, um, coupled with the fact that there's others in here who have run as fast and we didn't get to tax, uh, who scares me a little bit as a horse with some back numbers, uh, to run to and uh, you know again at a much bigger price than the two triple crown horses are going to be um, I'm definitely looking to play against them yeah and I you know a lot of times you'd have these horses that maybe we would say are prepping for the Travers and they're maybe head and shoulders above of the rest of the crop but I mean I, I you know Tacitus and War of Will are nice horses and I know they're training well but they're certainly not world beaters. We're not looking at American Pharaoh. We're not looking at Justify. We're not looking at anything close to that. Um, so it's very feasible, in my opinion, for horses to step up and get the best of them, especially in a spot where they might not be 100% crank. So, yeah, I think this is an opportunity uh, both in the vertical wagering or win wagering and, and especially – in a uh, pick five type scenario where it's very likely a lot of a lot of betters will just try to get by with either Tacitus or War of Will or both. You mentioned tax. I'm just kind of wondering if he's a cut below this or if he's peaked a little. His numbers have gone backwards from a bridge speed rating perspective. 
I mean, maybe Mijos, who looks real good on the Optics EQ plot standard here, uh, looks like he'll get a good trip. Um, I'm concerned about him getting a mile and an eighth. I kind of think he's a one-turn uh, miler type. What about you? Yeah, that that was my concern because I, I gave him a look uh, in part for the Optics reason. And he does have a, a triple-digit rating, uh, which came in the one-turn mile. Mucho Macho Man, uh at the expense of Trophy Chaser, who you know the, definitely had some buzz coming out of those two-year-old Florida races, uh, but the, the distance a bit of a concern. Cairo Prince, uh, who has Cairo Cat in the curling, Ken McPeak uh, bringing that one back. It does seem like Cairo Prince, as a sire, has had his share of some flashy two-year-old stakes winner, early three-year-old, uh, and they just don't go on. So the mile and eighth, even with the prep in the Dwyer, which was you know disappointing, four to one, just kind of ran along with the field. Um, you know, even though there's some things to like, Mijos would sort of be that one where, I'll, even though he's going to be a, obviously a bigger price than the outside too, uh, I would say I actually probably prefer Laughing Fox a little bit more than Mijos. Yeah, he was helplessly uh, or hopelessly out of it in the Preakness and ran on a little bit. That That is Laughing Fox who drew the rail. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot before we get uh, get into this. Uh, the rest of this uh, this late pick five, which is outstanding and has the 15% friendly takeout. Who, um, who are you voting for as of today before the Jim Dandy, before the Curlin, which probably has no impact on this, as three-year-old champion male? Maximum security. So and and does that have anything a lot a lot to do with or a little to do with him crossing the wire the first in the derby and is that a fair barometer to use considering he was disqualified? Uh, I definitely leave it up to the voter. Like I have no problem if someone takes a hard line and say, "Look, he finished 18th." Period. End of story. Personally, I definitely, for award purposes, for lack of a better term view him as the horse who showed up on Derby day, won the race. I don't, if you want to get into a discussion about whether, you know, a foul's a foul and he cost the horse a placing and deserved to be DQ'd, that's fine. Uh, but in the way I'm analyzing this three-year-old group, he ran the best race on Derby day. He was the clear winner from, uh, a, he crossed the line first. B, I don't think anyone was, was beating him that day in a, straight race amount a quarter where they all stay in their own lane uh so yes uh, that is a factor for me um when i'm tallying up the score i'm giving them a win for the derby and what's it going to take for someone the next tier of horses whether that be war of will or whoever that may be um what's it going to take for them to leap over him maximum security to to get, to get that title I would say War of Wills in a spot where if he beat him, heads up in the Travers, that could be enough absent any other big wins. Otherwise, I think we need to see a multiple grade one winner who defeats older males. Okay, so the PA Derby may play a big role in this then? Uh, yeah, I mean, it gets you a grade one. Uh, I would say that's the type of race, though, where it kind of gets you in the hunt to then be in the spot where if you be older, sort of like we'll take charge. Um, you know, he, he won the Clark and that sort of clinched it for him that year, uh, which was what, 2012, 2013. I'm, I'm going to blank. They're all running together. 20, oh, 2016 with Nyquist, like, 
or maybe always. No, it was earlier than that because I know where I lived. I can picture watching the Breeders' Cup Classic and having my heart heart ripped. Yeah, Yeah, having my heart ripped out by uh, I had will take charge in that classic, and they ran huge. So yeah, um, no, I I came back and won the Clark, and that was enough. So yeah, um, that type of year for sure. Uh, But I, I think other than War of Will, the others are out of time to win it just against three year olds. Makes sense to me. All right, well, let's uh, let's dive into this pick five and see if we can't help people over the last part of the pod uh, get get a winning ticket and help ourselves as well. It yeah. starts with it starts in race eight, as I mentioned, uh, six furlongs, an allowance purse of ninety two thousand. Uh, this race looked like it had a lot of pace on paper to me, Ed, which kind of uh, led me to my opinion. I'm curious as to your take. Yeah, um, you know, my big comment was. Um, put the glass down pace uh, because it does seem like this is one that won't be too far out of it, but does have a decent kick uh, picks up Ortiz uh, for Engelhart. Uh, they're three for 10 over the last couple months, obviously a small sample size, but even when it's small, Scott, I do like to see that the jockey's been legged up on a winner, um, which we get here with Jose for a, a very uh, notable horseman in, in New York who starts a lot of horses. So I, I thought that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not always a pace guy, but when it's so glaring in the Brisnet PPs that you have three E-types uh, that are all around put the glass down, it, it just to me looked like uh, he's going to get the trip and his, his run fast enough as the others. So I gave him the edge. Yeah, the PA bread has two seconds and two starts at Saratoga and makes his third start off the layoff. He'll be number three, put the glass down, Jeremiah Englehart. And I thought last time out, he uh, he found a comfy spot outside, uh, three to four lengths off the pace. I expect him to be further off. He kind of moved, I don't know if I want to say too early, but he moved before the winner and the runner-up who came from behind him to get him late. And when he lost by Justin Knack, he should be sitting on a big effort I guess the one concern could be regression. I just had a chance to look at the thoroughgraph sheets before this, and he did make a real big move forward. Not so much on the Briz numbers, where it was a career best 89, but he had an 87 back as a two-year-old, as well as an 85 on debut over this racetrack. He, I had him pick for second. Um, I thought over deliver. I think it's time for him to deliver. He uh, he certainly came out and, and ran a big. Uh, debut effort at Gulfstream a couple days before Christmas of his two-year-old of last year as an even money favorite beating the likes of Bodie Express and then came back and ran second to win 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 who that was a career best effort that day at Tampa in the Pasco and then was given about three months off by Pletcher the Wood Memorial was it was a toss the way he um, clipped heels right at the beginning and then um, last time out at Belmont I thought he faced the likes of looking at bikinis ironically and um, that was at a mile at the one turn mile. I think the with the outside post and the tactical speed, I, I just expect him to get a perfect trip under Johnny V and maybe Pletcher can get things going here. Uh, I'll probably single over deliver on, on, on my main ticket and then use the likes of put the glass down and maybe a horse like Frosted Grace who could be coming from out of it as well. Uh, but an interesting start to the sequence and I could see people choosing to go a number of ways. So hopefully it will, uh, will produce a winner for me and maybe you if you use over deliver but if not could be a price yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i, I can't imagine singling here and, and really the only horse i think hopelessly out of it is ventus uh but you get the rail which uh, we have some positive stats on uh long term 
uh, going six at Saratoga and the weight break with the apprentice who just won his first race booting home uh, the impossible to my eye fermento on Wednesday. So we have to uh, talk about it, huh? All right. right. (laughs) Well, uh, I'm eager to see how the the board is. And is when we get to the next race, uh, I'm not too creative uh, in the, in the Vanderbilt. So, um, I'm likely to look at how they're betting these nine and maybe tossing the top two choices. Cause it's pretty even to me, uh, but put the glass down, I would say is my top pick. And then fortune's full. I had second and your horse third. All right. Well, one of the reasons I had you on the pod this week was because of the three-year-old picture and your knowledge there. The other reason is because I think your favorite horse in training right now, um, you, you tend to you find find a horse that you really uh, like to not only lean on, but but root for each year in the, in the higher level races. And I think it would be fair to say this year, number one, Matoli has not only been good to you, but you've enjoyed your time rooting for him. Uh, he's just a picture of perfection at this point. He's won seven in a row, eight of 11, uh, four for four this year. He's taken on all comers, as we discussed off the air beforehand. Are you singling? I am uh, certainly on the main ticket, and we'll we'll get to. I have one backup who I I can't resist uh, leaving off uh, in part because of the pace. I mean, Matoli drawn right inside a strike power, um, which Matoli was very professional in his last two sitting off the pace, and we've seen him go gate to wire. Uh, in the six furlong races, though. So it, it, that is an interesting dynamic to me, Scott. Uh, the cutback, I certainly think, benefits Matoli, who may be more six furlong horse than the mile, even though he won the Met over McKinsey. Uh, but strike power is going to be right there. If that should soften him up at all, getting seven pounds, uh, friends fire running late does concern me. But um, I would say Matoli singled or being used on 70 to 80% of my tickets. So, you know, I do see him as a two to five shot basically. And prime power, I I dug this up. Uh, He has a 155.6. And in the history of prime power, horses uh, with a 155 or higher in grade one dirt races in exactly break even ROI. It's it's like negative 0.2%, which to me is, is practically break even which considering these horses are so often the favorite when they have that high a prime power and 150 or higher on dirt really is an exemplary figure uh, that, that just, that to me just tells you when they're that well-respected in that regard, they're going to be awfully tough to beat. If it's anything that beats him, it's the weight and the fact that there's a closer running into a potential speed duel with strike power on his outside. Uh, but Matoli's the only other, the only horse I want and friends fire. I'll have to be absolutely right the rest of the way if I survive with him. Yeah, and uh, sorry, I didn't I didn't uh, introduce the race properly. Race nine is the uh, Alfred G. Vanderbilt Handicap, Grade One at six panels, three hundred fifty thousand, and Matoli is the one horse and likely to be the heavy favorite. And it's interesting where we've come. I remember in the Churchill Downs on May fourth, of course, at the legendary Churchill Downs, hmm. he was drawn outside other speed, and that's two starts ago. And the question was, can he relax off the other speed? Now he's drawn inside, uh, and the question and cutting back. You know, now the question is, can he can he withstand an, a speed horse right to his outside and another tactical speed horse in number three, Imperial Hint? The answer is probably yes, but it could result in a little bit of a uh, a fast pace, which Matoli should be able to overcome. But if he's not, 
You mentioned Forenza Fire, who obviously is a major player. I don't know if number seven, Ducher, is ever going to be the same horse after that monster 116 Briz rating uh, on March 9th in the grade three Tom Fool at Aqueduct, where he just ran off the screen. He came back in the Churchill Downs and ran a solid fourth, I thought, against the flow of that race. And then really uh, was closer than he normally wanted to be in the John Nehrud, um on July 6th. That was Stars and Stripes Day. Two forgivable efforts, but just from a pattern perspective, you just wonder if he ran his race too big, ran too big of a race in the Tom Fool. But I think he's the closer to keep an eye on in this spot because if he does run back to that race and gets the flow, uh, gets the pace that he needs to, he's he's interesting to me. Um, so I'll probably take somewhat of a similar approach. Uh, I will I will single Matoli on uh, the tickets where I don't uh, single others, perhaps, to try to get a little bit additional coverage. But I like using Share, and I also like using Forenze Fire in here as other options. Yeah, they're uh, the ones running late. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think if he's if Matoli's going to get beat at, I think it's going to be from behind in a situation like that. I just I can't see Strike Power putting him away or even Imperial Hint, um, and not and no one else running on late. I think if they if they go at it, that's the best chance to beat this horse. Um, okay, the tenth race is the third leg, the Bowling Green Grade Two Mile and Three Ace. Kind of a lot of familiar faces in here, Ed, um, but I think. The, the theme here is a number of them will be happy not to see bricks and mortar, um, if, if not other Chad Browns. There are a couple Chad Browns in here, but that looks like per, probably not the A-team. Um, and Chad, obviously, best of, you know overall with the, with the Phillies and Mares, although bricks and mortar, pretty, pretty damn good. Um, how do you see this one? Uh, well, this, I hinted a little bit earlier with wanting to see the workout reports. I'm looking at Bikinis, who's Ya Primo's uh, stable mate. Uh, from Chad Brown, and that that'll be the the piece of the puzzle here because if this horse is getting positive marks, uh, I, I've seen enough horses ship in uh, from South America, and, and Chile isn't even their their top circuit. But you know, horses uh, like way back when um, Wild Spirit for Frankel, who Chad may have worked with, I forget when he joined that stable, but that was back in uh, 2004. Uh, certainly ran very well. Uh, here on dirt and turf and this horse just uh, we know we can get the distance and if he's looking good in the morning I just don't think this is the type of group where you're like wow you know I, I gotta play this horse I mean channel makers nice but you know is, is he really one if if this if this your primos uh, supposedly a monster that you think can can get the better of him uh, Zulu Alpha, uh, you know, I give a little bit of a look to got got back to the hundred Brisnet speed rating and just missing in the United Nations uh, after making the lead and now gets Lascano from Channing Hill. So, I mean, there are things to like about the others, but uh, there's also enough where you're just I'm not impressed enough that if you have Primo coming in off this win streak by open lengths at distances that match this one or close to it. Uh, with Jose aboard, I'd just roll the dice and, and lean on him. Yeah, all very fair points. No world beaters in here for sure. I like to see these horses in a grade two a little more than I do when they're in the grade one together. Yes. Um, Channel Maker is the one to beat at. I mean, he's run well over this turf course. Uh, the course that I think, uh, you know, he 
he ran pretty well last time. Uh, Bricks and Mortar and Robert Bruce, Raging Bull, all horses I think are more talented than him. Outside of the Chad horse you mentioned, it's hard to say these horses are more talented. And I just expect him to get a great trip under Joel Rosario, appears to be in, in solid form still. And then you mentioned Zula Alpha, who maybe can turn the uh, tides on Channel Maker, but uh, might be a cut below. And number 10, Channel Cat, I think, is a tad bit interesting in here. Uh, we'll need to save ground this time. He ran a real strong race in the United Nations. Grade one by definition, not sure grade one by quality. But uh, And maybe over the top in his fourth start. But I've always thought this horse was going to get a big win uh, for Pletcher when he faced this level of field. Hopefully, Luis Saez can kind of work out a uh, stalking trip and not lose ground like he did in that United Nations, which was prob- which probably cost him the race to Hunter O'Reilly and Zula Alpha this, that, uh, that day. So I think I'm looking to go channel maker channel cat in the all channel use and, and probably uh yeah primo as well but uh not too creative in there maybe you know i'd like to give arclo a bigger look but i've used this horse uh, i used this horse last t- two back in the man of war and was frustrated florent drew just does not fit this horse right for me uh it's not his style of riding to, to bring a horse from well off the pace in my opinion i like him much more on a stalking or speed type and uh i thought he cost him the race in the belmont gold cup arguably cost him the race with the trip there too so just don't really trust him to get the job done and pull what would be a, a little bit of an upset i think yeah i mean the the cutback is interesting and it, it does seem like maybe that the type of horse who sitting on a, a breakthrough um but you know he, he's a name um he seems to take money so uh a little concerned uh for the reasons you said as well uh i did take a long look at, at channel cat as well and could see may, maybe using i mean i'm i'm completely against tacitus and war of will as we discussed in the jim dandy so if i get tax or global campaign home you know you kind of look at do i really want this horse to beat me in the bowling green the answer is probably going to be no uh but i will say posts nine and ten eleven furlongs on the inner turf at saratoga oh for 31 good stat there and and before before we get to the last leg which is a uh claiming thirty thousand n2l the 11th of course we already discussed is the jim dandy i wanted to ask you what brisnet has going on uh this week, this weekend, and and even for the rest of the summer, um, so people are well aware. Yeah, uh, well, brisnet.com slash Saratoga is the website. Uh, goes right to all our reports for Saratoga every day. And I uh, do want to give a shout-out to Steve Moody, who produces our Saratoga handicapper sheet uh, in the summer and in the, uh, the spring and fall. It's the Kentucky handicapper sheet. Uh, but he has a positive ROI for the meeting through the first wow. 90 races. So, uh, Great stuff. You know, yeah, top pick. He has to make it, you know, 60 to 72 hours out and uh, just, has come out on top so far. So kudos to him. Uh, but all that and uh, Bruno as well. We've mentioned him several times already. Uh, those uh, that stuff and the PPs are available at Bristnet.com slash Saratoga. Great. Yeah, I made the switch uh, several years ago and, and love what Brisnet offers and just continually try to learn more and more. And um, glad to hear Steve's doing well. That's a, that's a very strong work uh, thus far in what's been a challenging meet. All right, let's close things out with the uh, 12th and final. Hopefully we are alive for this mile inner turf event. 
claiming 30,000 N2L. I thought number five surge pricing could win, but was going to get over bet because of Chad Brown. Uh, two efforts at six panels. You don't see him uh, start horses out sprinting very often, two straight starts, especially after a win, and then stretch them out to a mile at least. And, uh, in my recollection, just doesn't look like a horse that he thinks all that much of. They spent 185000 for him, debuts him for forty. Uh, sure, he gets the job done, but, you know, and then they get the starter allowance event and he runs fourth as the favorite. Uh, were you for or against surge pricing in this spot? Yeah, I'm, I'm against. Uh, First-time blinkers is actually pretty good for Chad, uh, minus 5% ROI, which for a guy who gets bet so much, uh, that that's actually not too bad, 24% win percentage. But I, I sort of share your concern. I mean, they paid a little bit for this horse. Uh, if I were in the claiming game, Scott, and had someone I trust to look at the physical, uh, I actually might uh, consider this horse for a synthetic opportunity because Animal Kingdom is absolutely gangbusters uh, with his progeny on synthetic. And, you know, we've only seen this one on turf and now stretching out to a mile. Uh, but at a short price here, Chad, Javier, dropping in blinkers all the signals are there that says this horse is going to take money uh i'm with you i, I kind of want this horse to beat me you and i talked about we're not too creative in the bowling green i'm singling a two to five on most tickets in the vanderbilt uh this is a place i'm i'm going to take a stand against the likely favorite or at least a horse likely to take money yeah, it makes total sense to me, Ed. I'm going to look at number four, my macho, who drop takes a big drop in class after a wide voyage and a move on the far turn at Laurel for Grand Motion. I thought uh, number six, Saratoga Colonel, second off the layoff for George Weaver, who's due to get things going. He's got um, some underneath finishes, but we know he wins races in bunches when he does at Saratoga. One for 16, but gets a big rider upgrade to Manny Franco. And then number seven, Hijacker, uh, who drops into conditional claimers for trainer Marcus Vitale, gets the leg up, uh, gives the leg up to a Rod Ortiz Jr. and comes back quick after a uh, non-effort in the slop, which is an encouraging sign to me that he came out of that poor effort well. Uh, so I thought I was good. I think I'm going to lean four, six, seven to hopefully close things out. Any any particular nod that you give to anybody? Uh, I. So t- I shouldn't say take a long look. I will use uh, number nine, No Mo Promises. Uh, and I actually like both Lascanos. And, and the other one he's on is Clyde's Runner, who's an AE uh, from post-15, third off the layoff for Tommy Bush. Uh, this is definitely a race. I'll be paying attention to if any of the AEs draw in. But in post-15, so to speak, post-15, Clyde's Runner, uh, probably unlikely to get in. But the other Lascano, uh, Colt's next stable, uh, Colts next stables, uh, to me, one of those sort of cagey owners, they, they like to, to win, yeah. um, you know, this $30,000 claimer they bought for two they're not afraid to spend money, uh, but they'll cut ties as well when it's, you know, time to, to try to, to get some money out of a horse and, uh, second off the, a long layoff, uh, and stretching out to a mile. I thought, uh, this one was kind of interesting with that European breeding, uh, on the dam side, maybe the mile and the, uh, I don't want to say drop cause he ra- raced at this level off the layoff, uh, but could be a little sharper and, uh, Jorge Duarte, 21% second off. So no more promises. Uh, in addition to the ones you mentioned, I'm, I'm looking to be deep here against Chad. 
Yeah, definitely a wild card. No more promises. Uh, very excusable effort when breaking last against a uh, wire-to-wire winner in LNZ for Mike Maker, I believe. Uh, and the second start off the uh, very long layoff over a year and a half. So certainly one that is worth including if you're spreading. All right, man. Well, uh, maybe it's time to turn the tides this weekend and, and get a get a lucky photo and and, and maybe hit uh, hit a nice pick five. I know you've had a, more success than me so far, but and also maybe a little more tough luck than I have, at least in terms of big hits. But I uh, definitely appreciate you joining me. I've enjoyed the uh, radio shows locally at ESPN Louisville with you. And uh, hopefully we can uh, get things rolling this weekend. Yeah, sounds like a plan to me. All right. Thanks, Ed. My pleasure. Thank you for all joining me this week. We'll be back with some more Saratoga conversation. But until then, crush them at the windows and good luck in all your other endeavors. This has been the Who Do You Like podcast. For more information and to place your bets, go to betamerica.com.